Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode 61. I'm your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Uh, Mike, it's been a bit of time. We've been away for an extended summer vacation. Uh, how are you? I'm well, Ben, and I'm very impressed you got that intro off clean. No rust on that Jaguar, baby. It's <laughs> like riding a bike. Uh, I've had a good summer. Currently, I am getting smoked. Literally, it's 97 degrees and smoky here. We've got wildfires raging a couple hours away from us, and uh, hopefully they don't rage so out of control that they burn down Gavin Newsom's governorship next month in the recall election and leave us with Larry Elder. So, uh, yeah, that would be – yeah. I, I pro- if, that, if that happens, I'd leave California pretty quick. I've, I've already decided if Elder wins this recall election, I am going to write an email to my state representative and ask him to bring articles of impeachment against Elder on day one. Christ, yeah, he's insane. Um, uh, so, I mean, how uh, other than the political situation in, in, in California, how how bad is the? I mean, is it every day, daily, ninety-seven degrees temperature? Or like, what's the? No, it's it's been moderate. The problem has been the it's been a little smoky out here. And so we got something called the air quality index, which I didn't really pay much attention to before I lived out here, but now I know all about it. And the air quality index is currently something like 150, which means it's unhealthy to be outside for an extended period of time. So yeah, I'm I remember just, that from Los Angeles when I lived in LA. I remember that like air quality was a huge deal. Huge, huge, huge deal. Uh, you know, this every day you're wondering, like, you know what I mean? Like, particularly during the summertime, like, you know, can you go outside? Can you, right. can you, is it safe to go outside? And oftentimes in California, in the, uh, yeah, it's not, you can't in the cities. It's because it's too hot, too much smog, uh, and too gross outside. I mean, well, I've got to say the East Coast in the summer, the summertime, I'm never going to get used to this, man. I'm never going to get used to it. It's like high, it's like, low to mid 90s but it's not just hot it's like a soup it's like going outside into a bowl of soup it's disgusting <laughs> i can't you know mosquitoes bugs everywhere it's like you go outside your clothes are sticking to your skin after like five literally five minutes and you're and you're that's it you've got to go back inside again well uh, you got a bit of a respite from it as you went to uh, london I did, yes. Last few weeks. Yes, yes. So so that's where I was. I was I was in the UK on a on a family holiday, which was nice. Uh, it was great. It was I was there for a month. You know, so again to all our listeners, uh, uh, quite a few people have contacted us about the podcast asking where we've been and basically logistically speaking it was too difficult to do to, to like time with the time zone difference and I was on vacation with about 10,000 relatives, so it was it was really quite tricky to get a single second to myself um so that's why we've uh, we we we've been gone for 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 some time but um yeah i had a good time back in the uk it was it was nice to be away from political insanity in america to a still politically insane but not quite as insane country you know great i've got to say like the uk you know it's the same it's like the us but it's like someone just turned the volume down a bit on the insanity you know, so it's like, for me, it's like very calm. It's like, oh, okay. You know, the, our prime minister is like a bit of a liar, um, you know, and the anti-vaxxers are, are quite prominent, but they're not, it's not, it's not too much. It's not too bad. Should we talk about the news? Yeah. So we've got a, uh, um, well, I mean, 
<laughs> we've missed quite a bit. You know, you're away for two months in um, or, or six weeks in in, uh, in America, and that's the equivalent of several decades in most other countries' um, um, news cycles. So we've got we've <laughs> we've got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, the first being obviously Afghanistan and Joe Biden's um, dramatic departure from from Afghanistan, pulled the troops out and. Uh, I would say to call it chaos would be uh, would be um, the understatement of the year. It was an absolute catastrophe. Would I be right in characterizing it that way? So yeah, it was absolute chaos. I, I will agree. A few things. First of all, you know, it was highly unlikely that any withdrawal from Afghanistan was going to go smoothly. Uh, I, I will say though, obviously, the Biden administration was completely taken by surprise by how quickly. Kabul fell, uh, the capital city, and, and therefore they had less time than they thought they were going to have to evacuate all of the Americans and Afghan refugees who wanted out of the, co- the country. And I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but they got completely by surprise. They were they were clearly not preparing for this uh, contingency or anything remotely like it. So that part they have to own. Having said that, more than 100,000 people have been evacuated from that airport in like two weeks, which is incredible that even when you've got the airports surrounded by hostile forces like the Taliban and ISIS-K, that they managed to pull this off and evacuate all of these people. Now, there are still some people who, who are stranded and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki like, has been in this weird back and forth with Fox News' Peter Ducey as to whether these people are stranded. You know, Because some of them can't even get to the airport. Some of them are in their, they're in their homes and they're worried about um, you know, the Taliban not letting them in or even worse, like harming them physically or killing them. So those people are stranded. And the, the White House is just – they've got this weird res- resistance to that word. You know, Jen Psaki's not admitting they're stranded. They're stranded. They're, they're stranded. But, but anyway, you know, as for ISIS-K, you know, the K, which stands for Khorasan, which is a historical region that encompasses a good chunk of Central Asia that includes parts of Afghanistan. Um, so on Thursday, you know, this, this ISIS offshoot uh, carried out a suicide attack at a security checkpoint leading into the airport that where people are being evacuated um, I think it was like 190 people died, including 13 U.S. service members. Uh, you know, many of them were in their 20s, and one of them was 20 years old exactly, and he was just an infant when 9-11 happened. And that just gives you a truly tragic sense of just how long this war has gone on. And naturally, conservatives are jumping all over Biden. Some of them, including you know Josh Hawley, are calling on him to resign. Lindsey Graham said he should be impeached and all this stuff. But this whole Afghanistan thing, that's just the immediate, like what's in front of our face. But again, this thing went on for 20 years. And whatever is happening in the here and now is just the culmination of a two-decade-long shit show. And we need to be asking ourselves as a nation a lot of questions about our place in the world, how we retaliate to terrorist attacks like September 11th, 
What is our goal? If we go into a place looking to smash up a terrorist group like Al Qaeda, which the United States did to a fair degree, and we'll get into we'll we'll get into the neocons appearing on television and all that stuff. But that's just my immediate take on it. But there's obviously a lot to digest here from a historical perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's an incredibly complicated situation, you know. Uh, so I, I have a, a good friend of mine who um, ran a nonprofit in Afghanistan for several years and they built skate parks um in afghanistan for kids and helped young women get like education opportunities and training for work i spoke to him about it and it was interesting to hear his perspective was just like look regardless of like the u.s invaded afghanistan right whether they should have or they shouldn't have they did and they committed to building it and protecting these people and they are basically now just leaving so you know and he he was pretty distraught about it actually like a lot of because the a lot of the girls that he he met he met like a um a group of women um who'd been used as sex slaves by the taliban for for years uh mutilated beaten raped that kind of thing so you know he said like you know and like they were opportunities for them under u.s occupation and the new the new afghani government was uh it was just they had a chance and he's like yeah that that's it they're not that their lives are over now um under the taliban it's gonna be you know it's gonna be back back to the same the same barbaric you know stone age sort of um system of of uh, governance and a lot of these women are gonna die a lot of these kids don't won't have a future anymore so I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand on it. Like I didn't agree with the with going in there in the first place in the way that they did. Um, I didn't agree with um, the way that the Bush administration, in particular, handled the occupation. Yeah, I thought that was a disaster. Um, and then, <clears throat> you know, now, like I got to say, you know, look, Biden voted for that war. He voted to for, for surges. He voted to for for nation building. Obviously, you know, things are a lot more complicated than just a vote. And uh, it's obviously it's not his. I wouldn't say that it's his war and it's his responsibility. Um, uh, but I do think that the U.S. has got some. You know, you you can't just do that. I have a real ethical issue with that. You know, you invade somewhere and then you just leave uh, and say, right. See you later. You know that's it's on you guys now. And then basically blame them and say like, well, okay, well we trained your army and uh, you you were too cowardly to to fight. And it's not as simple as that. You know, it's definitely it's not as simple as that at all. And there is going to be you know there there will be some sort of resistance to the Taliban as well. So I think like the the portrayal in the media of what's going on in in Afghanistan is I think well it's misguided on from all sides. So yeah. Anyway, so I, I think that the U.S. does have a responsibility, and I'm not that you know the way that it, it, it left. People say, "Oh, you can't say that it cut and run." They sort of did, you know. I I, I agree that you know there was there's been a massive evacuation, and the Biden administration should be given a lot of praise for the way that they've done that. Uh, <clears throat> but it's that you know the Taliban took over the country in what like seven weeks. That was it. It was great. I mean, it fell so fast, and the fact that they didn't see this coming was 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 kind of i mean insane i think they must have known that it was going to happen pretty quickly but they the fact that they didn't know it was going to be this fast it just means what the fuck have they been doing there what have we been doing for 20 years in afghanistan 
right? How much money has been wasted? How many lives have been wasted? It's completely, it's just crazy. I think, look, the US has a lot of culpability in this, a lot. And and uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to give everyone, uh, you know, I'm not giving anyone a free pass on this. But again, like, what I don't want to hear from are the people of the neocons. I don't want to hear from Republicans and I don't want to hear from Trump people who they're all just gigantic hypocrites in, in this. And I, I, that, you know, no criticism from them whatsoever. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, why is it that we can only get outraged when casualties abroad happen on a democratic president's watch, right? When they happen under a Republican's watch, it's just the normal course of events Right. So like, I don't want to get too far back into the way back machine, but I'm going to do that. You know, like I said, you got Josh Hawley calling on Biden to resign over, you know, the, the deadly attack at the airport and Lindsey Graham saying he should be impeached. You know, this has echoes of Benghazi when when four Americans, including the ambassador to Libya, were, were killed in that attack. You know, again, Libya is Libya is halfway around the world. You know, and there's only and it, it was it happened in a country where a civil war was taking place. So the U.S. can only exercise so much control over these remote situations. So, like you know, I was just thinking back in 1983, 281 Marines were killed in an explosion in Beirut in a in an attack. You know, they they were blown to smithereens. Did Democrats demand Reagan resign? No, they didn't. And did Reagan pay a price politically? No, he was reelected the next year. You know, and I and fast forward to 2001, August 6th, George W. Bush's presidential daily briefing titled, Bin Laden determined to strike in U.S. 35 days later, that's exactly what Bin Laden did. And 3,000 people died on U.S. soil quite dramatically. Did people blame George W. Bush? No, they did not. They rallied around him, and he had some crazy Stalin-esque approval rating of like 92% of something or something like that in the weeks after the attacks. And by the way, there was a piece that Bob wrote some years ago about all the quote-unquote Benghazis that had occurred on George W. Bush's watch, and he outlined like a dozen instances where U.S. embassies or consulates or other places where Americans were, were living had been attacked, sometimes fatally, and no Republican, and nobody, no Republican, no Democrat said, oh, Bush should resign over this security failure around the world, like, you know, all the way, like, it just doesn't, it's so, it's so cynical I'm not saying Biden did everything right. Biden did some things wrong. He certainly did. But the idea that a lone, that a a suicide attack at an airport in Kabul by a religious zealot that unfortunately resulted in the deaths of nearly 200 people, including 13 U.S. service members, the idea that Joe Biden should have to resign over that is fucking absurd. And also, by the way, I remember four Americans in Niger getting ambushed four American soldiers in 2017 on Donald Trump's watch. And I don't recall like Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or really any prominent Democrat demanding that Trump resign or be impeached because four soldiers died in a remote area of West Africa. And by the way, like what the fuck were we doing in Niger? I'm sure there's like 
an explanation for it that I won't find very convincing. I'm sure it was part of some security operation against, you know, some terrorist group like ISIS in the Sahara or, or whatever. But like when a democratic president, you know, when casualties happen under a democratic president, it's like a whole new thing. It's like, Oh my God, there needs to be calls for impeachment. He should resign. There needs to be a years long investigation like they did with Benghazi. And it just shows you how cynical the Republicans are. Right. And I mean, <clears throat> you know, Lindsey Graham, you can always, that that's what he, he's almost sort of like the gauge of like how, how shameless what is the, the latest shameless Republican talking point? And just check out what Lindsey Graham is doing, right? This is a guy who's willing to throw his, his apparently genuine friendship with Joe Biden. He's a, he's can discard that quickly for, you know, political, political expediency, right? He's willing to just destroy a friendship of multiple decades. So, you know, going after Hunter Biden, uh, now calling on um, on uh, Biden to, to be impeached, over his handling of uh, of Af- Afghanistan, I mean, it's it's like a beyond a joke. I mean, it's pretty clear what they're doing. They're just playing to the base, right? It's like they again the GOP. They they don't have. There are no policies, right? It's just all reactive bullshit. It's just reactive. You know, <clears throat> let's tr- jump on any tragedy. Let's jump on any issue we can uh, and beat it to death in order to to try and score some political points. And I think, you know, thankfully, the majority of the public, just they don't buy it, right? They, they've cried wolf one too many times. So that's why, you know, they, they're having a hard time electorally. But yeah, it, is, it just shows you how, how cynical they are and how sort of, um, you, you know, debate in this country is. It would be nice if we could have had like an actual reasonable debate about what happened in, in, in Afghanistan, but we can't, right? It's like, this is, it's so um, infuriating, right? Like, I had um, some criticisms of, of Biden and the way that he handled that, right? But it's almost immediately you're drawn into saying, to, to, de, to, to defending Biden because of the insanity of the right. The right is throwing so much horseshit at him that you, could, you, could, you can't even sort of spend any time legitimately criticizing Biden anymore because you're too busy fending off the kind of rabid dogs um, on the other side that are refusing to engage in debate is that it would be, wouldn't it be nice if we had an opposition that actually you know grilled Biden on this fairly and there was some sort of constructive criticism you know we could actually talk about this like adults but you we can't talk about it like adults you know can't have fucking nice things no, yeah. So it would just—it would be nice to have some to be able to have a, a reasonable, rational debate, but you can't because the other side is busy flinging shit, um, and because they're they're flinging shit, you have to def- you have to sort of deal with that. But right? you have to say, okay, look, yeah, Joe Biden shouldn't be impeached. This is insane. Also, you guys have no track record because you all voted for this war, uh, and then as soon as your orange god came around and said they wanted to get out, then you all wanted to get out. It's like you can't take Republicans or conservatives seriously on this because they don't have any valid criticism at all. So where are the adults? Where can you have a normal, rational conversation about this? It's too. I think it's just too difficult. The easiest front where an opposition party can criticize the president is on foreign policy, right? Because the president, unfortunately, exercises a lot of unilateral control over where we send troops who we bomb, and so on and so forth. And, and Congress 
you know, members of Congress of the opposition party, they love, as you said, flinging shit at the president. And they know, and you know, the people throwing shit at Biden for this know that they're not going to have to like take any meaningful vote. They're not involved in this. They can only say like, oh, you know, here's what we would have done. Like, and they're not even doing that. You know, like Kevin McCarthy gave some half-assed explanation about like, you know, oh, we should have kept Bagram Air Force Base open, but only if it was safe to do so, even though it's surrounded by Taliban. Like, dude, what are you talking about? You're just talking out of your ass. And, you know, you mentioned the neocons, like, who are rearing their warmongering heads again. If I see one more fucking Bush-era warmonger on cable news, I am going to lose my shit. John Bolton, Ari Fleischer... Ryan Crocker, Paul Wolfowitz, all of these guys are like, they're on cable news here to impart their wisdom on what went wrong in Afghanistan, on what should have been done differently. Yeah, the fact that Dick Cheney hasn't popped off on this makes me wonder what kind of condition he's in right now because he used to go after Obama at the drop of a hat on foreign policy. But I haven't seen him emerge from his secret undisclosed location yet to offer advice. Henry Kissinger even wrote an op-ed in The Economist, I believe, on why the U.S. failed in Afghanistan. Did I read it? Fuck no. You know, even if you don't think that guy's war crimes were a big deal, uh, and obviously many politicians do not because they commiserate with him and tout his endorsements like Hillary Clinton did, I believe. Even if that stuff doesn't bother you, uh, Kissinger was just bad at his job. He was bad at his job. His approach to winning the Vietnam War was to, was to engage in aerial genocide over Southeast Asia, killing millions of people. That was his plan and Nixon's plan, which they implemented. And it didn't even do the thing that they were hoping that it would do. So years, years of genocide, just incinerating Southeast Asia. But Kissinger's here to offer us his, uh, his take on what went wrong in Afghanistan. But you know what Kissinger can do instead of writing those opinion pieces? He could drop dead. That's what he can do with himself. And uh, if he does, I might actually praise him for what's. Uh, yeah, I concur. I concur. I completely agree with this. You know, it, it, again, it, it's just, it's, we're in a very sad situation um, where we, uh, you, you know, half of the political system are basically, they're kind of rabid warmongers, um, but they're also um, stupid as well. So you've got stupid warmongers. Um, and the, the clever ones are the sociopaths and the rest of them are too stupid to understand, you know, what their leaders are getting them into. So you're left with Democrats that are kind of, again, you know, I, I have my big issues with the Democrats, but they are the only adults in the room. They are literally the only adults in the room. Um, and that's what we have with Biden. I don't agree with how he pulled out of Afghanistan. I don't agree with his votes for the wars in Afghanistan and in Iraq. Uh, but he's an adult, at least. And he's taking responsibility. You know, I'll give him that as well. He's like, he did take responsibility for it, you know, which is more so than anybody, than most of the other presidents, right? Any, any other president we've had um, that isn't a Democrat. You know, they fuck up and then they never take responsibility for anything. It's not, you know, not their fault. You know, it was, uh, you know, did George W. Bush once ever apologize for the Iraq war? Did he apologize for his, like, very, very clear mishandling of the Iraq war, not once. Or even going in there in the first place. But he did get a shoe thrown at him at a press conference, which was pretty gnarly. 
Yeah, I mean, I wish it had been something else. Uh, it's funny how the the, um, the the neocons have been rehabilitated, though, in in, in a lot of ways. Um, <clears throat> I I've, I wrote a piece on this actually for the banter about how the, you know the rehabilitation of the neocons that um, at the very least they are anti-Trump. But it's again, you know, this whole thing about the, if Afghanistan is reminding me of how much I loathe neocons, how bloodthirsty they are, uh, and, and how hypocritical they are uh, when it comes to this and when it comes to, to, to Biden and the Democrats. You know, the tough guys, t- the tough guys who are always willing to send other people's children to war and never their own. You know, and there's not, not a war that they don't like. There's not a war they won't send other people's kids to. Uh, and then and then cheerlead it from the sidelines and call everybody else traitors for not for not going along with it. Well, Ben, I mentioned Dick Cheney, and you have to understand uh, he, why he didn't serve in the Vietnam War. And he said he had other commitments at the time, and he got five draft deferments. So, all right. So, uh, speaking of Afghanistan, uh, we have our what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? Uh, your entry, Ben, puts a nice little topper on this discussion and mine leads into the next one so what do you have this week so i have our our good friend uh ben shapiro um who is the editor of the daily wire and uh, apparently the powerhouse intellectual he is the number one numero uno intellectual um on the right apparently uh which is quite sad quite troubling but uh shapiro wrote on twitter This is the week where we find out whether the media's newfound sanity regarding the Biden-Afghanistan pullout, the single worst foreign policy blunder of my lifetime, is real, or whether they return to simping on behalf of the White House. Where do we begin with this? Where do we begin with this idiocy? Uh, So, if the Afghanistan pullout is the single worst foreign policy of Ben Shapiro's lifetime, that would make him probably, I think, 18 years old. (laughs) <laughs> right, he, he'd have to be eighteen, yeah. for, right? Because when did we invade Iraq? Iraq was two thousand and three, so that yep. was about eighteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm guessing that that's that. There, there, there we go. Ben Shapiro was apparently born uh, in two thousand and four, which would make him. Uh, it would make his credentials incredibly impressive, actually, to be to be the the the, the number one conservative <laughs> uh, intellectual um, at the age of eighteen. You know, I, I would, I would, uh, you know, so maybe, maybe we have to reevaluate. So we have to reevaluate Ben Shapiro. Maybe he's actually uh, more impressive than we first thought uh, because he's so young. I mean, of you know, what a, what a complete dickhead. <laughs> it, how, how could anybody regard Joe Biden's pullout of Afghanistan as remotely comparable, A, to the initial invasion of Afghanistan, which was a disaster, right, like the fact that we've been there for 20 years shows you how disastrous disastrous it was right the all what's happening now in afghanistan the disaster unfolding in afghanistan is the result of 20 years of mistakes right of 20 years of bad governance there of 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 terrible terrible decisions mostly in the first 8 years right under bush it was invaded in 2001 um, so there were, you know, the Bush administration had seven years to, to sort of, you know, make their mark, and they screwed it up beyond recognition. I mean, it was it's really bad. There have been several. Um, I think the Washington Post a couple of years ago 
uh, they, they managed to get their hands on a, a lot of White House archives um, of uh, a lot of tra- in, internal transmissions over over what was going on in Afghanistan, and it's basically pretty clear that they had no idea what they were doing. I mean, li- no idea what they were doing at all. Um, you know, all the neocons were just—they just—they had no clue. You know, they were talking to the wrong people. They're, the intelligence they were getting was awful. Uh, they were funneling mu- billions and billions and billions of dollars of taxpayers' money into these corrupt warlords in Afghanistan who were taking their money and running. Um, and and there, were, there, were, there was sort of no coherent strategy and nobody in the White House could agree on what the strategy aims were at all. So we've had, this was, a, a, you know, Afghanistan was a disaster and it, it, it's a disaster. And that's nothing compared to Iraq, right? The Iraq, the Iraq war was... It was infinitely worse than the Afghan uh, debacle, right? I mean, basically, the the uh, collapse of Iraq um, has been one of the most destabilizing issues in the Middle East in history, right? Or at least in modern history. So, you know, you've got the creation of ISIS. You've got, like, um, you know, you've got the rise of Iran. Iran is now far more powerful than it's ever been because of our disastrous um, entrance into into Iraq uh, and the m- huge mistakes that the Bush administration made early on. Obama made a lot of mistakes, but nothing compared to the Bush administration. At least Obama <clears throat> Obama was somewhat sensible about about um, uh, you know Afghanistan and Iraq. He wanted to he Obama long wanted to get out. Um, but obviously his hands were tied uh, because of the mess that his predecessor had got had got them into. So for Ben Shapiro to say that Joe Biden pulling out of Afghanistan when his own party under Trump were were massively in support of getting out of Afghanistan, when the Orange God said it was okay to get out of Afghanistan, um, Republicans think it's a great idea. When Biden does it, it's a terrible idea. You know, so like... It's just intellectually completely dishonest, and coming from supposedly the the greatest intellectual and Republican, you know, in in, uh, in conservative circles, this is this is uh, it's pretty sad. The good news for him is that, as you noted, he's only seventeen or eighteen years old. So, but he's still he's, he's got a lot to learn. Yeah, for his age, so. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of room to grow. So th- there's that. He's got that going for him. All right, my entry this week in what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? Technically, this wasn't said this week. This was said last Saturday at the Trump rally in Alabama. Uh, CNN's Doni O'Sullivan had the thankless task of covering it. And so this clip, it's a, it's a minute long, and he's speaking with a woman who is straight out of MAGA central casting. This, so far as I can tell, it wasn't a live TV hit. And in the middle of this interview, you're going to hear O'Sullivan narrate a bit about a doctor this woman mentions, and then it cuts back to the interview with the woman. So, I don't trust the government. I don't trust CDC. I don't trust none of them. What is it about the vaccine? Because uh, I've watched Dr. T. Penny, and she's done a lot of research on it. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is a discredited conspiracy theorist who pushes dangerous misinformation about vaccines. I'm sure you've seen the pictures all over the internet of people who've had these shots, and now they're magnetized. They can put a key on their forehead. It sticks. They can put spoons and forks all over them, and they can stick. Those and other unhinged false claims landed Tenpenny on a list known as the Disinformation Dozen, super spreaders of COVID misinformation. 
but Tenpenny and others in the disinformation dozen are finding appeal among some Trump supporters. My own doctor tried to get me to get shot, and I told him to go watch Dr. T. Penny. So you trust this woman on the internet uh-huh. more than your own doctor? Uh-huh, I do. Uh, I mean, imagine that. I mean, these people, they keep telling us, uh, you know, I'm going to talk to my doctor. Like, I'm not going to believe what, you know, these experts on TV say. And here is a woman whose doctor is telling her to get the vaccine. And she's going to believe this lady on the Internet. A woman who presumably she's never met before. When her own doctor is saying, get the vaccine, she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Do your research. According to the conspiracy theorists, we're all sheeple. Um, and not doing our own research because they apparently, you know, their their ability to evaluate um, scientific papers and uh, uh, credible doctors and epidemiologists and virologists is far superior to our own. I say, yeah. So uh, apparently, their ability to evaluate evidence based on their experience as middle managers, um, accountants, yoga teachers, and um, internet uh, celebrities, Instagram wellness influencers, that that. Um, that apparently is accreditation enough to, uh, to, to evaluate medical advice for the rest of us. You know, I'm really glad you mentioned sheep because I want to talk about <laughs> livestock Sheeple. for a second. Sheeple. 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 No, 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 but you mentioned sheep, which is relevant to this discussion because we will be talking about livestock now. Um, as I'm sure our listeners are aware, Ivermectin has been in the news. Now, ivermectin is an anti-parasite drug that is given to humans and animals in different forms and dosages, obviously. Uh, I think it's given to humans for like lice and things like that. Um, But this drug in recent weeks has inexplicably been touted by conservatives as an effective treatment for COVID-19 when there is no evidence at all that it is an effective treatment. There was one study suggesting that it is, but that study has since been pulled after it was found that the, the, the data in there was almost certainly fabricated and parts of it also appear to have been plagiarized. But no matter, uh, the, the ivermectin train just keeps rolling along. Uh, the Fox News primetime jerks love this stuff. Tucker Carlson's touted it. Laura Ingram, Will Kane, uh, even our old friend Matt Taibbi wrote an article like a couple of months ago about how ivermectin's become a dirty word on the internet and asking why that's so. Well, because it's fucking nonsense. It doesn't fucking work. And here's how you know how bogus the ivermectin claims are. Merck which is one of the pharmaceutical giants that makes ivermectin, has said publicly that there is nothing to support the claim that the drug can treat COVID. Okay, that's a company that stands to greatly benefit from the narrative being pushed in right-wing media, and even they're saying it doesn't work. But regardless, prescriptions for this stuff are way up because people are demanding their doctor's prescribe it to them. And some people are even going to feed stores to buy ivermectin in a form that's made for livestock. This is stuff that you you give to your cow, your, sh- your sheep, your horse as a dewormer, heartworms. Okay. These people are, they are literally eating horse paste 
to try to prevent COVID-19 in themselves. But they won't get the vaccine, which if you're fully vaxxed and you do get a breakthrough case, the chances of you needing to be hospitalized are way, way low. It's like 98% of COVID patients in hospitals right now aren't fully vaccinated. More than 99% of the people dying from COVID right now are unvaccinated. 170 million Americans are fully vaxxed, and we haven't seen any significant negative side effects. You know, people have been getting the vaccine since December. The jury is in on the vaccine, and the verdict is that it's safe and effective. And all of these people saying they won't take it, and they want ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc, they're giving away the game at this point. This, this is no longer about their concerns about the science behind the vaccine, because there's a hell of a lot more science and data speaking to the effectiveness of the vaccines versus the junk that I just mentioned. So, so what this says to me is that for them, the vaccine is a purely political issue. So instead of getting vaxxed, they're going to eat heartworm medication for cows to own the libs. Fauci said to get the vaccine, so I won't get the vaccine. Biden said to get it, so I'm not going to get it. It's completely deranged. And last point here, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, fine, own me, own Ben, own the rest of the libs, don't get the vaccine, eat horse paste, and roll the dice with your life. But it's not just their lives, it's, it's other people's lives, uh, and not just from COVID. ICU wards are jammed in a lot of places because they're loaded with unvaxxed COVID patients. There was a guy in Texas who died, an Afghan, a, a veteran of the Afghanistan war, who died from gallstones in the Houston area because he could not get an ICU bed in a hospital that could treat his condition. And so he died from a completely treatable illness. Right, and this is the thing that people don't seem to understand, right? It's not about whether you're going to die from, from COVID, right? You're, not, you're almost certainly not going to die if you get COVID. But what you can do is pass that shit on to somebody else who could die, right? You could clog up that, right? You, you, the, the thing is, it's the health, mm -hmm. it's a health, we have a healthcare issue. It's a healthcare problem, right? Our healthcare infrastructure is not designed with the population, the human population is too big, right? The fact that it affects, you know, 1% of people are going to get hospitalized or whatever it is, right? 1% of, <clears throat> you know, 9 billion people or however many billion people we are, we're at now, it's a lot of goddamn people, right? And our healthcare system is not set up to, to withstand that. That's millions and millions and millions of people who need hospitalization worldwide, right? And, and, and basically what's happening is, is this is what the, the anti-vaxxers do not seem to understand, they cannot get it around their heads that it's not about, <clears throat> you know, them per se, right? It's about doing your bit to protect others from the virus, to protect the vulnerable. I, I didn't want to get the vaccine. Like, it wasn't like, you know, if there was no such thing as COVID, would I be up for getting an experimental mRNA vaccine? Um, you know what I mean? For shits and giggles. No, of course I fucking wouldn't. Like, who wants to get it? It, it kind of sucked, you know? Getting a vaccine was, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of unpleasant, you know? I was knocked out for a couple of days, two days of feeling of feeling not too great, you know? that it, 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 I didn't enjoy it, right? I, um, <clears throat> but the fact is, like, I did it, A, to protect myself, to protect my family, and to protect other people from me. If I was carrying the, I could carry the virus and I could spread it, um, symptomatically or asymptomatically, you know. So th this issue over 
vaccination is just you're just as kind of a selfish it's just selfish really you know i get it i get why people don't want like vaccines i don't like vaccines right but you do it as as a as for, for the safety of the public right you live in a society like it's everybody's duty it's your civic responsibility to vaccinate yourself and help and, and make sure other people don't get this right so you know the ivermectin debate, I've followed this carefully. I, I was told about the ivermectin, about ivermectin. Actually, when I was in the UK, a friend of mine told me about ivermectin. He's not a conspiracy theorist per se, but he's sort of slightly out on the fringes of, um, you know, information regarding, you know, he thinks that there, there are a lot of suspect things about COVID, about the origins of COVID, uh, where it comes from. He thinks it's probably lab created, uh, you know, he thinks that there was an effort to suppress ivermectin um, in the media. And to a large degree, he was right, right? So if you actually look back at, like, how this ivermectin um, uh, w- was covered by the media, right, um, it was, I think, good. so there's a guy called Eric Weinstein, or Brett Weinstein, right, who's an evolutionary biologist who has been talking about ivermectin and how how it can basically prevent COVID or treat COVID. It can, it, apparently, he believes it's 100% effective at preventing people from getting COVID. Um, anyway, he's an evolutionary biologist. He's a smart guy. Uh, he, he has some interesting things to say. Um, and I think that what happened was Google basically banned his interview or they took they took down one of his interviews on on YouTube. So unfortunately, what happened was then this guy became a kind of uh, uh, a sort of a, um, a cult kind of like a cult figure. Right. That, that everybody said, oh, you know, he's been banned. They're suppressing the truth. And then, then Joe Rogan gets him on. Tucker Carlson gets him on. Jordan Peterson gets him on. All these right wing um sort of uh, alternative media figures um, uh, get him on to their podcast. He then becomes much, much bigger and everybody starts thinking ivermectin must be, you know, there is a conspiracy going on. So unfortunately what happened was that, the you know, Google sort of, sh- they shot themselves in the foot really by banning this guy. By banning him, he became bigger than ever. And ivermectin became the next hydroxychloroquine. Um, so I wrote a piece about this on the banter and, and, and sort of followed this quite carefully. And it's quite difficult to know, like, you know, how could this have been treated differently? I understand why YouTube banned it. But the thing is, YouTube banned it when they, the, the, the trial data for ivermectin ha- hadn't, wasn't released at that time. So unfortunately, what happened was, was you know, I think that they, they jumped the gun on that. They banned the talk too early. They banned uh, Weinstein's... Um, interview or podcast on ivermectin too early and it would have been better had weinstein been invited on to kind of more mainstream outlets and debunked by by other credible scientists but what's happened is he's he, again now he's like king of the alternative media and now he he can claim he's being censored and you know um this all this bullshit uh then takes off in 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 these um uh, conspiracy prone, conspiracy theory prone media outlets that aren't really, you know, like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, um, it, you know, he's one of the kind of main um, uh, disinformation merchants when it comes to vaccination. Not because he's necessarily a, a crazy conspiracy theorist, right? But it's because he's not qualified at all to be questioning the people who are on his show, 
right? He um, that he lets these people come on and they they talk a load of bullshit, and and the audience then laps it up. It's, oh, you see, they're hiding it, they're suppressing it from the mainstream media. It's like no, it, it, it's this Joe Rogan is not bright enough to understand what he's talking about. He's not bright enough to to grill them correctly on this. So it's a very we're in a sort of a very it's a very dangerous situation right now. Um, where there's kind of a breakdown of trust in the media. Um, and that's why a lot of these kind of alternative treatment things like taking off all over the place, like that insane woman that you that we heard from, right? This woman is, is clearly not particularly bright, but she's lost all faith in the government in, in, and in the media. So basically Facebook is where she's getting her information from or YouTube. And that's incredibly dangerous. You know, that's a very, very dangerous um, situation where, we're in, where we've got a complete breakdown of trust in the media, breakdown of trust in public health officials. And again, I largely blame Republicans for this. I do, I'm sorry, but I do. Like, I blame, I blame Donald Trump. I blame Fox News. I blame right-wing hate radio. Uh, that They've waged a campaign of, of ignorance. <clears throat> they've brainwashed 40 to 50% of the population into believing in, in their own alternate set, alternative set of facts. And this has now led to them ingesting horse dewormer to treat COVID. It's fucking crazy. Later in that interview, I didn't play it, but that lady did say she watches Fox News and Newsmax. So uh, no surprise there. You, there. there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I guess final thing I'll say on this. Um, I don't think I've seen anyone bring this up because it's a morbid angle from which to approach this but one that could have a real effect. I mean, we have seen data showing that counties that Trump won have lower vaccination rates than the ones that Biden won. And we're seeing vaccine hesitancy doing serious damage in very Trumpy places like the South, like Texas, Florida, and where the governors of those states are basically trying to do everything they can to make the pandemic worse. Florida just had its deadliest day of the entire pandemic, and we've had vaccines for months. But you look at Florida, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, the, basically the Confederacy, with the exception of Virginia, is having a rough go here, in addition to the other Trump places you know, around the country that aren't in the South. And I hate, I hate to ask it, but will this have an effect on the 2022 midterms? And beyond, because the fact is, there are some very politically engaged people on the right, like that woman that we were just talking about, whose interview with CNN I played. You know, they're not getting vaccinated, but they're going to Trump rallies. Obviously, they're going to vote in the next election, at least the next presidential election. I don't know about the midterms. But these are the types of people that Republicans are counting on, in a lot of cases, to show up to vote. And next year, some of them are just not going to be alive because they will have died of COVID unvaccinated. Many, I'm sure, already have. I'm not saying, you know, this phenomenon will determine control of the Senate or the House, but I do know the further down the ballot you go, down to the state Senate level, the state House level, the further down you go, the more likely it is that 500 or 100 or a dozen votes will make the difference because fewer people uh, are voting in those down ballot elections. So, you know, a difference of 50 could could mean everything. I mean, you just look this last time around 2020, we had a the, 
the 2nd Congressional District in Iowa. This is Congress. The Republican won by six votes in 2020. Six. In New York's 22nd Congressional District, the Republican won by 109 votes. That's not a lot of votes. We have a lot of people dying of COVID. And, and every election year, you know, there are thousands of races across the country at the state level. And some of them are decided by, by a very small margin. So it, it will be interesting to see what, if any, impact this might have. And it will be difficult to ascertain. But, you know, depending on what happens in 2022, we might need to have a study in order to grasp the electoral consequences of millions of people refusing to get the vaccine. Um, I mean, I th- you know, back in 2000, Bush won Florida by 537 votes. Right. That's it. And therefore, he won the presidency because Florida was it. That was, that was the game. Out of 6 million ballots cast in that state, Bush won it by 537. So, you know, I know this is a very morbid question, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, like at some point, which is just baffling to me, at some point, do Republicans not think this will matter? You know, they DeSantis in Florida, Abbott in Texas, they're trying to implement executive orders banning mask mandates in schools and other places and trying to ban private businesses from mandating that employees get vaccinated. And I'm just wondering, like, don't they realize that in a, probably most cases, people who are getting unvaxxed are people who might be inclined to vote for them in the next election and their party? I just don't understand it. I just, I just, can you help me understand it? Killing the base, killing our base to own the libs. Can you make any sense of this, Ben? I mean, no, you know, I mean, I did, I did think um, that there was a recent sort of uh, about turn. Fox News did a huge about turn in their vaccine policy where they, they all of a sudden, uh, it, it, they became a lot more pro-vaccine than they had been, um, with, with uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the hosts talking about getting vaccinated. Um, obviously, Tucker Carlson held out because Tucker Carlson is an um, evil bastard. I think that obviously that might have had something to do with it, right? That, that Fox News realizes that it's killing its own demographic, right? It's killing its own demographic, and therefore uh, it's likely to. Um, it's less likely that Republicans will get into power. So I think that they, and I think Republican governors have changed their tune as well. Um, not as much as obviously is necessary, but they're always, you know, they've created a monster, right? Fox News um, and, and the GOP have created this monster, which is now the Republican base. And the Republican base is, is now insane. You, you, it's, they, can't, they cannot be reasoned with. They've created a, a sort of a beast um, uh, that needs feeding, constantly needs feeding. They need feeding conspiracy theories. They need to feed, feed on hate of liberals. It's a, it's a lot of hatred, right? They feed on hate. And in, that is more important, right, is, is um, fueling a, f- a hatred of liberals or everything that liberals do of the culture wars, um, you know, fanning the flames of the culture wars. This is more important than, than anything else. So I think that, that this is really what's happening, is that the, these uh, politicians, the Republican politicians who are still refusing to take this pandemic seriously uh, and, and not urging their you know, teachers and children to, get, to wear masks in school, are they just, it's all just short-termism. You know? It's like Trump. Like Trump was concerned with what was happening in the 24-hour news cycle. 
And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, let's just own the libs for, th- for today and then we'll make a plan tomorrow, you know, and then we'll, tr- you know, see what the news cycle is tomorrow and then try and win that news cycle. So it's just you try to win the 24-hour news cycle rather than have any kind of long-term planning. And it's, it's catastrophic, right? Because now a lot of these, these Republican states are, they're dying in the, in the hundreds on a daily basis. Yeah, I, you know what? I am going to push back a little bit on, on the Fox News thing. Yes, they, they've cut a PSA encouraging people to get the vaccine, but the meat and potatoes, the primetime people where the viewers are, they're not getting that message. They're getting Tucker Carlson pimping ivermectin, casting doubt on the vaccine. Same thing with Laura Ingram and even Hannity, who the media made this big deal about saying, oh, look, Hannity said, please take COVID seriously. Yeah, he said, take COVID seriously. He didn't say, go get the vaccine. And even he, like, he had to walk that back. Because I guess he perceived that it was being taken as a pro-vaccine message. And he has had, had to come out and say, no, 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 go, go talk to your doctor. So Fox News' primetime lineup has been complete garbage on this issue. Carlson, we, we've talked about how the fact that he has Alex Berenson on, that fucking sickly-looking ogre. Yeah, Fox News, they, some of the hosts are good. They cut a PSA. But when it comes to the where the stars. eyeballs are, yeah. they want no part of an unequivocal pro-vaccine message. I, I am trying very, very, very hard, right, to not blame the... the <clears throat> I think there are a lot of victims here, right? And I think that a lot of people who watch Fox News and the Trump supporters um, are, in many ways, they are victims, right? They're victims of... Um, the right-wing media. They're victims of a huge disinformation campaign, right? It's like, I, I did a piece on, on this for the banter on, um, I, f- I don't even remember what the guy's name is. There's so many of these guys now, I can barely remember their names. Um, Stutz, a guy named Stutz. He was a Republican, he was a, Tressley Stutz, okay? He was a Republican, some sort of Republican leader in um, South Carolina, and this guy was an anti-vaxxer, uh, laughed at the Delta variant, mocked Kamala Harris when she came to South Carolina, um, saying that we don't want your vaccination agenda here. And then obviously, yeah, he caught COVID. He caught the, caught the Delta variant, almost certainly, because Delta variant was ripping through South Carolina and, uh, and died, right? He, he spent his last days hooked up to a ventilator, unable to breathe as his lungs collapsed. And uh, his, you know, some of his last words were about, you know, fighting, stopping communism in America. And you just think, you know, these part of me just, I feel that I've got to have some, I do have some sympathy for some of these people, right? They've just been brainwashed so badly by this echo chamber they live in, by this weird information bubble that's been created by right-wing media and the Republican Party, that they genuinely, that, this is the guy's, like, last thoughts on earth right his last thoughts on earth as he's dying from a disease that the doctors who are trying to save his life urged him to try to take seriously urged him to get a vaccine urged him to wear a mask right the liberals right the liberals you wonder did it dawn on the guy that that the people he hates the most are the ones who were trying to save his life to prevent him from killing himself basically by getting by getting uh, um, sick from a highly contagious uh, virus you, you, you know, you just think, what is going on in these people's heads? And like, what, what, 
what has happened to make them this way? You know, so I'm trying to not be as harsh on a lot of the kind of, you know, the people as it were, right? The, the, your average MAGA, um, who, you know, obviously I'm not going to go out for, 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 for dinner with any of them anytime soon, but, you know, I got to you got to remember they're human beings. They got families. They no doubt love their children. Um, most of them probably at least don't think of themselves as being particularly racist or you know. They, but you know, they, I, I can't. I don't want to dehumanize them. You know what I mean? It's like I, I don't want to fall to the same trap as the Trump. You know, the the MAGA set have have dehumanized the left, and and I think it would not be a good idea for the left to dehumanize them. Uh, I think it make you know it can make you just as bad, uh, but I do think it. You, we have who who are the people you know creating this mess, right? Who are the real evil bastards here? And I think you've got to look at people like Tucker Carlson. You've got to look at people like Sean Hannity. You have to look at the you know Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, everybody in the Trump administration. You know. Um, the disinformation merchants, the people profiting off of off of um, COVID misinformation. I think you know those are the real culprits here. So I think it's you know it's sad you know that these people are wiping themselves out. It, it really is. I don't it, you know a lot of the I'll write an article on on this kind of stuff, and and some some people will say like you know yeah I think they should just snuff themselves out, and yeah I, I get it. I, I, I get I get that you might feel that way, and I understand that, like it, you know, particularly because we're in a pandemic and because they're endangering everybody else's lives, it's easy to feel that way, to feel that kind of anger and hatred towards these people who are so reckless. But I think we do have to remember, like you know, how badly these people have been lied to, right? Like what they the sort of disinformation that they're subjected to it's extreme and I, and I don't know what you do to stop it or I don't know who you know who 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 deserves the most anger here I'm not I'm not sure I don't I don't know but I get you know I've been trying to not get as angry with with the sort of the, like the woman um, you know the, the clip that you played you know I, I feel sorry for it. Hmm. <laughs> Look, man, I don't know. Like your own doctor tells you you should get the vaccine and instead you believe, instead you follow the advice of someone you saw on the internet who you don't even know, who doesn't know you. I mean, come on. But Stupid. I guess we'll just have to disagree on that one. Perhaps that's for another, perhaps the, the do we feel bad for such folks is for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a good story for next week, by the way, as well, about a uh, an ex-friend of mine who emailed me, uh, who, who messaged me about um, <clears throat> how I'm living in the Matrix, and he's on the cutting edge of consciousness uh, because he did five ayahuasca ceremonies. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we, we can talk about that next week. What a teaser. I can't wait. What a teaser. Uh, but anyway, listen, it's great to be back. I, I, I've missed, uh, I've missed doing this and I've also, um, you know, it's great having feedback from all the listeners. So, um, please leave us comments. We love hearing from you guys. Um, really important that we, uh, we, we know what you guys think about as well about the podcast. Um, if you enjoy the show, if you'd like to hear us more, uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and on Spotify. The links are in the email uh, that have gone out to the, to the newsletter. 
Uh, also, if you'd like to support the banter, we'd really, really appreciate that. You can get 50% off for a whole year, which is uh, a really good deal. Um, you can get 50% off, and that really helps us out. So uh, please do that if you can. Um, if, if you like what we do and you get lots of, you get access to all our premium articles. Um, uh, we've got some good stuff coming out as well um, that you get access to. Uh, Mike, anything from you, my friend? I can't believe I'm still saying this as a sign-off so many months later, but get the fucking vaccine. Don't take ivermectin.